All right, everybody, welcome to the March 14th edition of Cascadian Views, the uh, Everything is Falling Apart episode. I've got Dan here with me, uh, and we are very rapidly preparing for, like, everything to be locked down. Yep, recording from the bunker. Yeah, uh, both our states, Washington and Oregon, have closed schools statewide. Uh, they join a number of other states in doing so, uh, states as far flung as Ohio and Pennsylvania. Have closed their schools. Um, every state in the country except West Virginia has active coronavirus cases. Uh, the death toll in Washington is, I believe, rapidly approaching 100. Uh, yeah. And it, it's just it's getting worse every single day. The president finally got tested. Uh, turnaround time is quicker than I actually believe the test takes. So I don't know how or why they're giving answers, but they say he's not infected. This, <laughs> if you believe he's been tested. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the doctor who yesterday, so to give everybody a sense of the timeline, the doctor, Trump's doctor was saying he didn't need to be tested. Trump was saying he wasn't going to be tested. Mm -hmm. Then later in the day, Trump changes his mind, says he might be tested. Uh, but if you look at the paperwork or the, the timeline, excuse me, on the test that he was taken, the doctor would have had to have administered it while he was telling everybody Trump didn't need to be tested and it would be a waste of time. <laughs> um, and if you assume that he got the test after he said he might get the test, uh, it just, there has not been enough time elapsed to get the results from that test. Yep. He's, <laughs> he does not have coronavirus. And not only that, he is now down to 220 pounds <laughs> <laughs> and he's six foot five now. So <laughs> he, he gave a national emergency declaration yesterday that was, um, I was not the only one to notice he seemed extremely sick. Yeah. He had difficulty getting through, like, every single sentence. At, at the start of it, he was pausing every, like, two words to breathe. Uh, towards the end of it, he got it down to he'd have to stop to take a breath about twice a sentence or so. But he, he just literally did not have the air in his lungs to get through a sentence. It looked bad. Yeah, it's awfully... Frightening that a whole lot of people that he's talked to in the last few days have now all been tested and tested positive for it, including you know, the, the chairwoman of, of the Republican National Committee. Really? Is a wow. presumed positive this afternoon. She's taken the test. She presented at the hospital with uh, symptoms consistent with COVID 19. Ronna, not Romney. Ronna, yes, Ronna <laughs> McDaniel. Not Romney. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. So they're they're presuming her positive uh, while they await the test results. Uh, Trump was photographed shaking the hand of the the press secretary of Brazil literally 24 hours before that guy became a confirmed positive. Uh, yeah. They also are presuming the Brazilian president Bolsonaro has it. They they haven't actually got the test results back, but he did literally just spend three days in a plane with the dude who tested positive. So mm -hmm. you know they're just kind of assuming. On that same token. The uh, the wife of the Prime Minister of Canada caught it in the UK and then flew back to Canada with Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, on the same plane. So Justin Trudeau is out of an abundance of caution, uh, caution self-isolating for a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tom and, Hanks. I mean, yeah. Jesus, yeah. The, the honor roll is something else. It, it is literally insane. Um, Spain has now locked down their country. Uh, nobody in or out, uh, except essential business. Uh, this follows a decision in Italy to do the same thing. 
And uh, in the United States, this has already happened in the town of New Rochelle in New York. And uh, I just, it, it, every day it seems slightly more inevitable that uh, Portland is going to do the same. Yeah, because, I mean, <coughs> it's just not contained and they're doing everything they can. They talk about this phenomenon of needing to flatten the curve to kind of extend out, you know, the rate at which you know, new infections occur, so uh, health resources don't get completely overwhelmed. But yeah, we're not even talking about preventing infections. We're talking right. about making the rates slow enough that, like, hospitals don't literally have to shut down. Yeah, so we don't overwhelm uh, everything so that, you know, we can't actually get the resources to the people who are... Are you there? Yeah. Are okay. you not hearing me? Uh, you cut out at the end of the last sentence. Huh. Uh, we have in, in Italy the return of battlefield medicine for the first time in, in their entire history of, as a country in peaceful conditions. They're literally triaging patients based on who is more likely to survive. And if you're yeah. not likely to survive, they're just not wasting the resources. Wow. Uh, yeah. Devastating. There's, there was an interesting uh, little look, too, into... Um, the, the testing habits of South Korea and France. In France, which is also rapidly about to shut down the entire country, it's probably going to happen in the next, like, 12 hours or so. Uh, but they're, they're testing only people who uh, show symptoms. South Korea is testing literally everybody. Literally everybody in the entire country. Uh, what wow. South Korea has noticed is that about... 20 to 25 percent of infections are people who are 18 to are yeah 18 to 30 years old and don't even realize they're sick that's like 30 percent of the positive test in south korea those people aren't even getting tested in france they're only testing people who who are showing symptoms and so i mean you can kind of you can kind of see where the reservoir for this disease is yeah absolutely my goodness it's... I... No, go ahead. I'm I'm kind of just taking it all in, and I, I was gonna kind of pivot to the the local thing here. In that, uh, Governor Brown yesterday or the day before yesterday announced all of Oregon K through 12 schools would be shutting down for at least two weeks. Uh, Inslee up in Washington has done the same for a much longer period. I think you guys are gonna be out for like six weeks up there, seven yeah, weeks. Yeah, six weeks until nearly. Going longer than that, if the uh, rate of infection does not slow down, I would expect, because it's really got a solid foothold here in Washington State. I think we're, per capita, we're probably the hardest hit in the country, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah and you have the vast majority of the deaths are up in Washington. Yeah. yeah and it's, you know, so far mostly centered around King County and Snohomish County. I think Snohomish County in particular has been hit pretty hard. Uh, but. It's rapidly spreading also. We're getting more and more cases further north and further east now coming along. And, of course, it's been creeping south towards you guys in Oregon. So, yeah, this is really – this is the hot zone, and it's it's getting hotter. So, yeah, six-week closure of schools starting Tuesday. Um, people are generally being encouraged to avoid – anything outside of their homes if they can. Lots of workplaces are planning to move to work from home, again, where possible. I know 
mine is right now. So, yeah, it's pretty. It seems like a whole lot of things have moved very quickly in just the last uh, 36 to 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say, you were talking about it moving down towards Portland. We're actually seeing it move kind of north. Uh, Vancouver got its first case uh, just last week. We're pretty sure it, it spread from the Portland metro. Hmm. Um, our, so Oregon's outbreak has been centered around here. Most of the cases have been in Portland, Uh most of the initial cases were in Washington County, Hillsborough, one of our, our yeah. largest uh, suburbs out there on the west side. Uh, and it, it's kind of spread down the I-5 corridor to uh, areas that are kind of more linked into Salem, like Lebanon and whatnot. And yeah. now all the way down to Medford and Ashland and starting to spread out to the, uh, the east. Ben got its first case this week. Wow. Yeah, that's... That's a spread. You got to, that's a bit of driving to get from. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we have an outbreak in a VA home uh, down in Lebanon. Uh, they're furiously trying to contain that in the facility to keep it from, you know, spreading to other residents. But uh, sure. Yeah. We're hoping it doesn't turn into that, uh, that life center in Kirkland. That's really, I think, the driving exactly. force behind the deaths up in Washington. Just rampage through a nursing home. Exactly. I mean, that's the most vulnerable population. Uh, They all live pretty closely together. And, of course, they're the ones that this is, you know, have the immune systems that are weak enough and the respiratory systems that are weak enough that it's going to kill them. Uh, Just to peel back the curtain a little bit, I work in a a residential care facility, what you colloquially call an an old folks home. And Mm -hmm. we have to take vitals of every person entering. And that was... Before I left work this week, when I come back, in between, Governor Brown has uh, put out a directive that each facility can only have one visitor per day total. Yeah. So before I left, we were checking everybody's temperature and blood pressure and oxygen level before they came in. And now only one person is getting through those doors uh, every day when I come back. It is fucked. Wait, well, like one person total, not like one One person, one visitor per facility per day. Wow. Yeah. That is brutal. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at it, my my facility has uh, a census count of 14, 14 residents. So that's, you know, you can have a visitor once every two weeks under the current restrictions we have if we do like a rotation system or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Because, yeah, that's I mean, that's a huge guard against, you know, things like depression and other deterioration of life quality in that population as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I bet absolutely it's you know, to keep them from being literally killed by a virus. But, wow. Man, this is really devastating. It is a really, really cruel disease but you know disease really doesn't that that doesn't enter into it for a virus you know it just does what it evolutionarily does so yeah and we saw that a little bit trump has been trying to basically bluster the virus it's been weird to watch yeah and it doesn't care (laughs) it has no fucking concept of what twitter is yeah watch like pass through these molecules and here we go yeah yeah <laughs> the um, the testing shortage in the U.S. is showing no signs of letting go. Um, 
this is a scandal that is honestly one that would have sank a president in a normal time. But we had a test. We had one. It worked. The WHO offered it for free. The, it, there were no patent encumbrance. You could manufacture that test with no problems whatsoever. And the CDC decided uh, they weren't going to do that. We were going to develop our own. And then after all the R&D went into it, uh, it, it doesn't work. It just straight up does not work. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's a 50-50 chance and if it's a false positive or not. And it's even more of that on if it's a, a false negative. It's, it's just, it's literally completely pointless. Uh, and so we, we don't have the capacity to test people. Uh, so how do you know if you have it? They're telling us not to go to the hospital if it's not serious. There's nothing they can do for us. They have no tests. They have nothing they can do. All they'd be doing is putting us into a an isolation room uh, that could probably go to somebody who needs it more. Right. I mean, yeah, that's... I think that's the big thing. If you're not in a vulnerable population, really the best thing that you can do is just hunger down. Don't yeah. spread it to somebody else. Don't, you know, just power through it. NyQuil, DayQuil. Yeah. So the, the actual the government recommendation is ibuprofen. Um, I don't know what the actual medicine in NyQuil and DayQuil is. It might be, IB, uh, it might be ibuprofen. Acetaminophen. And, okay. Uh, usually there's some anti antihistamines in there as well. Okay. Yeah, this, the uh, the government recommendation is uh, in fact here. Let me let me pull it up while we're talking. Uh, so it's fever, uh, a dry cough. And um, pressure or uh, pain in the lungs, and then shortness of breath and um, blue blue tinge to the skin and lips of the face. Mm. Uh, if you have the fever, the dry cough, or uh, shortness of breath that doesn't rise to the level of needing emergency like care, the the official government recommendation is isolate for 14 days. Drink plenty of water and take lots of ibuprofen. Uh, that reduces the fever. That reduces the inflammation in the lungs. It, it's going to do the best that you know you can do for it. If you have pain and pressure in the lungs that that lead to shortness of breath, that's an actual issue. Or if you have a blue tinge to your face or lips that signify a, a lack of oxygen in the bloodstream, you need emergency medicine. You need to go to the hospital. If you don't. Stay home, take ibuprofen, drink a lot of water, uh, take fever reducers, take anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and that's the other thing, by the way. It is a dry cough. Uh, coronavirus does not cause sneezing. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, sneezing as a cold symptom. So if, you, if you've got the sniffles, if you're sneezing a lot, that's a cold. That's not coronavirus. So you don't have you to freak out. Mucus coming up, things like that. Yeah. You know, you've just got... It's a season where people get sit, shitty sick, too. So, yeah. yeah, I've been fighting off a nasty cold for a couple of weeks. But, yeah, it's not like you describe. It was never dry. It was never, yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. But everything makes you paranoid with mm -hmm. all this going around right now, for sure.
Yeah, uh, my girlfriend could have had coronavirus. We don't actually know. She had a fever for for like three days. Uh, mm. It it broke and she came out of it. She took ibuprofen. Uh, she followed all the recommendations. Uh, we don't know if it was just like the normal flu or if it was the coronavirus. Sure. Like yeah. it could have very well been a mild coronavirus case. We don't know, and there aren't yeah. enough tests that you know we could have gone anywhere to get her tested. We weren't about to take her to the hospital when everybody's telling us not to go and there's nowhere else that'll test you so we just had to assume it was <laughs> yeah yeah well you can do really yeah i felt a, a little bit better just seeing like how short of a course it was uh because they they say it's supposed to last like five to seven days and she came out of the fever in like three days so yeah i'm in retrospect, I'm really thinking that uh, it was just a seasonal flu. But at the time, man, we we did everything we were supposed to do. I was wiping down everything in this apartment. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, well, if you're cohabitating, I think you one of you has it. Then you're also going to have it. But. Yeah, probably. But I mean, I was yeah. disinfecting everything. I was making sure that we weren't sharing the same rooms at the same time and all that. Sure, sure. Like, yeah, it's probably placebo. I probably would have gotten it, but uh, no, I was doing my best. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah, because <laughs> it's scary. I mean, e even as you understand that if you're reasonably young and reasonably healthy otherwise, you know, you're probably going to come out okay, but all the same, it's it's killing people. That's That's frightening. I mean, there's a real psychological effect to that. So, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um. Just like in terms of emergency preparation, people should be prepared for, like, massive disruptions to daily life. Portland was fine three days ago, and now I'm literally anticipating the city being locked down. Yeah. Like, uh, schools across the state have closed down. Uh, all of our, like, Amber's had tickets to a concert since Christmas for Dance Gavin Dance. You got oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's been canceled. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> the NBA has shut down their season. <clears throat> Major League Baseball shut down their season. The NHL has shut down Arch their season. Yeah. yeah, there's no college basketball tournament. ESPN has literally moved to 24-hour sports center. They have nothing to show. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man. It's it's wild. And I guess now if you're going to be traveling, that's not happening either. But mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. To add to that, during that national emergency declaration, uh, Trump announced a ban on travel to uh, Europe. And then just today, he extended that to the UK as well, who had previously been left out. He announced he was extending that to Ireland, but Ireland had actually been uh, included in the EU declaration. So right. I don't know yeah, what the fuck he was talking about. He yeah. Doesn't, he doesn't know either. <laughs> <laughs> Forrest promised him that the UK was fine, so that's why he didn't include it initially. And then someone explained to him, oh, wait, yeah, the virus doesn't respect borders. <laughs> yeah. UK is in just as big of outbreak as, like, basically everybody else. I think even worse, actually. I mean, maybe not worse than Italy, but certainly, you know, the rest of Europe, I would say. But, yeah. I, I mean, Spain literally just announced people can't leave their house. So, yeah, yeah it's it's wild. It's wild and yeah frightening yeah i'm uh england's had 10 deaths so far they've got 136 infections in london let me oh this was two days ago so it's probably way higher than that 
yeah. <laughs> it's on an exponential growth curve, so. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because it's fairly easy to spread, and if you've got people going out in public, I mean, that's why they're trying to prevent, I mean, exactly the sort of things that, frankly, you're seeing. I mean, sure, yeah, my bad. I went out to go grocery shopping today, but it was ridiculous. It was exactly what you don't want to see happening, happening. A store that's full of people, you know, congregating, you know, not that far from where people have been infected. And in fact, there have been, you know, we've had at least one school district that was closed already for a portion of this week because uh, an employee had been tested positive. And then at the university here in Bellingham, there was also a positive test case that came out. So it's here. So people, you know, just congregating and being in very close proximity in a public place like a grocery store is really, really bad. You, know, yeah. you shouldn't be seeing full parking lots and, you know, lengthy lines again where people are standing within a couple feet of each other. But that's exactly where we are. And that's kind of been prompted again by, you know, some of the panic response and, you know, the preparations for lockdown. Just exactly what public health would not want to see. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I got a lot of stuff that'll last a while. I know we talked about the the dry goods, lentils, quinoa, rice beans, or whatnot. But also, I uh, got like a gallon of Dr. Bronner's Castile soap. Oh yeah. Um, there, dude. So forget about the fact that the guy's like a crazy nut job who scribbles all over the bottles. Well, that's the shit. best part. <laughs> but something to read on the toilet if your phone. <laughs> Castile soap is, is literally amazing. At an 8 to 1 dilution with a, a foaming dispenser, it is the most like rich lather you have ever seen in your life. We uh, we use it for, for dishes and you know just household cleanup with a, a little bit of scented oil. It works great in the shower. Um, at a lower dilution, like a 3 to 1 plus like salt and baking soda, it makes fantastic laundry detergent and whatnot. Uh, we're just, we're really preparing for things to be like, we're stuck for yeah. a while. Um, I got a, a wind up emergency radio and shit that we can also use to charge our phones. I mean, it'll literally take like an hour sitting there to wind it, to get a 15% charge on a phone, but you know, yeah. it, it's possible we have it. I can check the, the emergency bands and shit. If things really, you know, start going down. Sure. Uh, but yeah, just it, it's prudent to make some preparations. Like, absolutely. Look at where Italy is and whatnot, and realize they're like you know six days to a week ahead of us, and and start seeing what's going down there for what's going to be going down here. Yeah, what measures are we going to have to be taking? Yeah, next week, two weeks from now, if it turns out that yeah we're doing just as bad a job of containing this. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. We want to, you know, see how that's going compared to, like, politics and whatnot. We've had two states cancel their – well, not cancel – delay their primaries so far. Right. Uh, what was it? Louisiana and uh, Georgia, right? Yep. Louisiana is pushing it all the way back to the summer. In fact, I, I think it might be after the, the Democratic National Convention. <laughs> well, I think it was, what, June, wasn't it? Or, yeah, it was, like, yeah, June 21st or something. Is it? Okay. Yeah, like mid-July, but still, uh, yeah, that's very close. And, uh, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get a little into what the state of the primary, but the primary is all but over. So, yeah, I think if 
yeah, it might be the sort of thing where it's increasingly looking like it may make sense to be having just nominal primaries, you know, for most of the rest of this anyway. You know, keep people from going out and coughing on each other for an hour or so in line at the polls. And excuse me, I believe I said Louisiana pushed it to June 21st. They pushed it to June 20th. It was off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The debate that was supposed to be tomorrow in Arizona is now in D.C. Now we'll have no audiences, no press, and no surrogates. It will be literally just the moderators and two people in the room. No Tulsi. Yeah, that's. I think that's fine. Yeah. I, I hope they keep them. I mean, they talked about having it being a sit-down debate. I hope they keep the adequate space between them. Because let's face it again, both candidates are in the most vulnerable population. So, mm -hmm. yeah, wouldn't want something if either one of them is sick. You don't want them spreading it to the other. <laughs> yeah. No handshake. God damn it. I don't. I don't care how much camaraderie they're trying to display for each other. <laughs> None of that. Let's not be taking any risks. I don't. I don't really know how much I actually want the debate to go on. Yeah, I, I really feel like we've had a dozen or two of these debates so far. Like yeah. we know where everybody stands. We we know exactly what the policies are. We know exactly who feels what. We've seen these guys talk for forever. People are voting. A third of the country has already voted. Right, and <laughs> like, you know, probably more so because they've had early voting in Florida. Yeah. So yeah. Like I, yeah. I don't see the point of having another one in the middle of an actual like pandemic. Well, now they don't have Mike Bloomberg and Elizabeth Warren in the way, and we can finally see once and for all that Biden and Sanders they really do have lemon and math out energy, and they're just <laughs> gonna get along great and. All this idea that they hate each other, that they represent, you know, drastic different world views, I think that should be punctured like a big balloon. <laughs> they're going to get along swimmingly, and they're going to form a ticket there on the stage. <laughs> I mean, we joke, but Sanders did uh, kind of explicitly frame the debate as much less of an adversarial thing. I mean, he basically yeah. painted it as a way for him to sit down and make sure he's going to be able to endorse Joe Biden. Yeah, because I, mean, I mean, the dirty secret is these guys get along. You know, it's not like it was four years ago where yeah. you Sanders and Clinton Sanders. actually they hated each other. Exactly. You know, they like each other. They like each other. So really, it should be easier for this process to end. I would hope, especially in the middle of a damn epidemic. Yeah. <laughs> Sanders' speech laid out exactly what topics his questions for Biden were going to be on, uh, seemingly to give Biden time to prepare and yeah. have some good answers for him. I mean, you don't telegraph that sort of stuff if you're wanting to actually, like, get one over on your opponent. I mean, it, it really felt – and he called him his friend, like, twice right. in that speech. It really seemed like Sanders was, was basically orchestrating uh, an off-ramp. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think people are going to be surprised at how much of a love fest it is tomorrow, really. that's At least that's my hope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems like that's Sanders' natural inclination, but a lot of the campaign uh, did not take last Tuesday well. Uh, and I guess we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, Bernie lost basically everything except uh, North Dakota, I think it was. Yep. 
that was it. And that was a caucus state as well. So it was go. not a caucus state. It was a firehouse caucus. Yes, which is not a yeah. caucus. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's not the ridiculous process where you realign yeah. and stuff like that. It, it is a, like... a primary election that is run entirely by the party. The, the state yeah. is not involved whatsoever. They don't fund any of it. Um, they get – okay, I shouldn't say not involved whatsoever. They frequently do get the use of public buildings as poll sites, right. but there are no public employees involved with right. – Exactly. And because it's run by the party, there are way fewer places to vote. I think there were 12 places to vote in the entire goddamn state. Uh, it's also North Dakota. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they were only open for a few hours, like three or four hours. You came by, you you know, filled out a ballot, you dropped it in. Uh, I think only something... Like seven, eight, seven or 8,000 voters total, I d- if that many. Yeah. Let me let me check exactly. Let's see here. Uh, twelve thousand total. Twelve thousand. Sanders got uh, seven thousand six hundred votes. Biden got five thousand seven hundred votes. Warren got three hundred sixty-six. Klobuchar got two hundred twenty-three. Buttigieg got one hundred sixty-four. Bloomberg got one hundred thirteen. Tulsi got eighty-nine. Gang got twenty. Steyer got six. Delaney got three. Bennett got three. Michael Patrick got two votes. Or Deval Patrick. That's uh, wow. Um, hmm. That's a lot of people who went to the trouble for a lot of people who are not in the race anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 20 of them for Andrew Yang. 113 for Michael Bloomberg. Beat Budigag in a state with no early voting. Dropped out a week and a half ago. Got 164 votes. More than Tulsi. <laughs> yeah. Tulsi in this state lost to one, two, three different people who have dropped out. Yep. No, four different people who dropped out. Excuse me. She Warren, lost to Klobuchar, Bloomberg, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Warren. Yep. Well, as it should be. You uh, know. So she's actually uh, finished behind somebody who has dropped out of the race in every single state so far. Even American Samoa, where she actually got delegates coming in second, that was to Bloomberg, who is now no longer in the race. Well, he was still in yeah. that. But yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's... <laughs> she finished okay. between 7th and 5th in every Super Tuesday state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much a a victory lap. For Biden, I mean, Biden won. won every single county in Michigan, Missouri, and uh, Mississippi. Yeah, every single That's... county. Michigan, in particular, that was kind of the one that everybody was looking at because that was a state where, infamously, Sanders got a surprise win in 2016. It was pretty close, but it was not what was expected. I think polls were like 15, 20 percent off because it was expected to be a pretty strong Clinton win, and then suddenly. Sanders came out on top, which was a big shot in the arm for his campaign going through the next at least couple of weeks. Here, that just didn't happen. You know, Biden pretty much won across the board with even with the demographics that Sanders was really hoping to capitalize on. You know, the white working class that uh, was touted as big Sanders voters and then later as big voters for Trump. They went for Biden this time. You know, so African-American voters, white voters, really, he's got 
young people and people who'd voted before Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. The uh, the map of Washington looks kind of crazy too. Uh, Biden's yeah. winning places I expected Sanders to win. Like yeah. King the, County, exactly. <laughs> like the heart of Seattle, the the city that literally elects not just Sanders style Democratic socialist, but nationalized okay. industry style sta- uh, style socialist. Sean uh, Swan, exactly. Yeah, went yeah. for Biden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, and then you got places like fucking Yakima that went for Sanders. Yeah, I, I mean it's kind of strange. Well, I mean that's a little bit of a throwback to last time around, where you get the places where there's I'm trying to think of the term I'm thinking of here, where there's significant social stigma. I think to being a part of the Democratic Party or being a Democratic partisan, I think you see stronger support for Sanders in a lot of places like that. Uh, How do you think Sanders did in Whatcom County? Well, Whatcom, he kicked ass, I know. This was probably one of his best counties in the state. Yeah, he got 46% of the vote here right now. Yeah, that's not surprising. I mean, Bellingham is a college town. West, you know, Western Washington University is a huge part of it. And then when you get outside of Bellingham, of course, you've got some extremely Republican places where if anybody's participating in a Democratic event, they're probably doing it to raise the middle finger at the party. So, I, I mean, that at least it seems of a piece. Although, I mean, look, I'm looking at the map right now. It looks like he carried Thurston County, which is Olympia. Just barely, but uh, still, he's got a margin there of about a thousand votes. So Bloomberg had yeah. some surprisingly impressive counties too. He's yeah. You know, I realize they don't allocate it by county; it's by district. But he would be viable, uh, for example, in uh, in Ferry County. He got fifteen percent of the vote. Next door, he got eighteen percent of the vote in Stevens County. Yeah. Let's see how did he do in King County? He got he got sixteen percent in Lincoln County. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some of these other big ones where I thought I saw some big results for Bloomberg. He got, okay, only 10% in Skagit. Um, but, yeah, there were some places where it seemed like there was at least a shot that he might be viable. Uh, Which is odd considering he had dropped out of the race. For, yeah, a full week before. But, again... Washington is a mail-in ballot state, so a significant number of people had voted before that had happened. People had had their ballots since mid-February, although there was also a pretty strong phenomenon of people who weren't necessarily for Sanders holding on to their ballot until later. I mean, Biden did pick up significantly among people who voted after Super Tuesday. You know, people waiting one way or the other. And I know I spent a fair amount of time canvassing in Bellingham, and I did run into a surprising number of people who said they were thinking about Bloomberg. So I am assuming that rather than actually casting their vote for Bloomberg, they probably voted for Biden later. I imagine uh, so. Yeah, interesting. And, you know, some live in-person Klobuchar voters as well. Um but In yeah, terms of, like, raw votes, I think you guys might have been Tulsi's best state so far. She Good cleared chance. north of 12,000 votes uh, from Washington. 
it was only one percent of the total so you know it wasn't that great but considering she got i think it was 30 votes in all of iowa like, well, she got twenty-seven thousand in California. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. There's still California, but I think that's probably going to be her best. I'm trying to think of how she might have done in like Texas and I'm Hawaii. Assuming. Might be voting soon. Uh, she might stand a fair chance there, considering how she performed in. Uh, yeah, in I think not. Not until April. Not until April there, but. Yeah, well, where's she? Where's she going? She's not going back to Hawaii. She's already dropped her re-election bid. She, I, I'm assuming Russia today, honestly. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, uh, I actually think there's a decent chance she gets a job with the Indian government. Really? Huh. Uh, yeah, she's fundraised she is, for years for the BJP. She she hosts like dinners for them in America to raise money for them. Uh, they're currently in like diplomatic isolation because they're literally running pogroms on Muslims in Delhi with the cops involved like yeah. standing by watching it fucking happen uh, and you know they, they need some international help Tulsi's an international face nobody in America really wants her she'd fit in well there she's you know part and parcel of the Hindu nationalist platform the BJP I, I honest to god think she gets a job in India at some point working that- for Modi that's probably the softest landing. I was going to say, you know, if if she was a little more charismatic, maybe Fox News, but, I mean, she's not really. I mean, she's not really their type. You know, they love, you know, Democrats who shit on other Democrats, but, uh, you know, she doesn't really have the same kind of compelling screen presence, I think, that they would want. Mm. But, yeah. Hmm. Well, good riddance. <laughs> I guess, uh, it's pretty close to wrapping it up. We have uh, big four stakes coming up after the debate. Uh, Florida, Ohio, Illinois, and Arizona. It's the FOIA primary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Freedom of Information Act Tuesday. Uh, although now I'm not entirely sure that'll be going forward. So. Yeah, well, it's getting late to actually cancel any of those, especially since you know Florida's been voting for weeks and weeks. But... Yeah, I mean, it's it's looking like a lot of these elections should probably not be happening, or at least not be happening until further into the spring or summer, you know, because, you know, just the state of things right now. Or they could go to vote by mail, you know, go like uh-huh. Washington, honestly. I mean, who knows how many lives we've potentially saved or how many infections we've prevented by not having some big... Or do know, it the right way and do it the way Oregon does it. Right, Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. care so much about your safety, it is physically impossible to go to a polling place and vote in the state exactly. of Oregon. Yeah. Washington still keeps like one per district around in case you really want the old time experience. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just the. I mean, I guess that's if, if you're you know, no fixed address, that kind of thing, maybe that would be what you'd need. But that's yeah. true. Yeah, but yeah, just it should be easy to vote and. When there is an epidemic going around, it should not require standing in a public place with hundreds of other people, you know, for God knows how long. You know, that's just totally, you know, not tenable in the current environment. And can you imagine if it's still around in November? 
what a nightmare that's going to be. Let me ask you a little question about Washington voting, actually. Um, the Sanders campaign was making a big to-do on uh, this last Tuesday that apparently there were a lot of Washington ballots being rejected because people had to write their party on the outside of the envelope. Mm-hmm. That, that's how that works? Yes. Uh, well, this is the first time we've had you know a binding primary uh, for the presidential election period. And, yeah, you have to indicate whether you wish to participate in the Republican primary, in which case you check that box, and then on your ballot you mark, you know, the Republican preference. I think, I think Trump was the only candidate on the ballot here in Washington State for Republicans. So uh, a- any sort of information that we need like that in Oregon goes inside the ballot envelope. It is not listed on the outside of the ballot. Oh, I think I'm not. I'm trying to think. I think it might have been on the secrecy sleeve on the inside of the ballot. I'd have to check. Okay, that's I kind of remember. what I assume because I believe that's how Oregon does it too. Yeah, because um, I don't but, think you'd have it on the exterior of the ballot. See, so what uh, what was going around on social media, and that's why I was asking, I don't know how much it was true, is that Washington required you to mark it on the, the outside of the ballot, like on the envelope you return it in. There was yeah. some sort of like stamp thing that you had to check off uh, what party you were voting for. Yeah, well, I know even the Secretary of State was making a big... Uh, I guess not big, but at least was making very protesting noises and saying she was not going to be participating in the primary because you had to indicate, again, a party that you were participating in. But, I mean, that's every other state pretty much that has separate primaries or closed or open primaries. You know, people register with a party. Yeah, I was a registered voter in Alaska for the first half of my life as a voter and yeah you registered as a party you were democrat you were republican you were other but you picked one so it's not on the security sleeve it is on the outside of the envelope it is i'm looking at a picture of the washington envelope yeah it's the voter's declaration on the back of the envelope yeah but in other states i mean that's publicly available information oh yeah anybody who wants to pay the secretary of state five dollars for the voting records can get your party and your address yeah, I mean that's the case in Oregon. I'm pretty sure that's the case in Alaska. I mean that's it's publicly available information. So I can see that you know some folks are making a big issue of this, but really compared to other ways it could be done, and the fact that all you have to do is check a box, you know that it doesn't seem like that much of an invasion, honestly, compared to you know compared to the you know suppression involved in participating in a caucus and spending you know, hours and hours in one place mm. and casting your vote like actually casting your vote publicly yeah i'm with you on this i think it also though might be somewhat of a, a generational thing like i don't view what party i belong to as private information mm-hmm. in, in much the same way that i don't view my phone number as private information like Right. For the majority of my life, up until fairly recently, once a year, like the monopoly utility company of your local region would deliver you a book that had literally the right. phone number and address of everybody in the city in the city in it. Uh, and, but you know, my girlfriend or whatnot is very reticent to share anybody's phone number with anybody else until she gets like 
explicit permission from the person whose phone number it is before she'll like just be like, oh, I know what that is or whatnot. And I don't consider, you know, that sort of thing personal information where, you know, somebody who's younger might look at declaring what party they are on the outside of the envelope. I'm like you. I'm like, I'm, I'm fucking registered. Like the DNC has my address. I've literally given them money. They know where I live. They know who I am. Anybody can see that. Uh, but other people maybe don't don't feel that same way. And I think you saw it coming from the Sanders camp because I think it's younger people who primarily don't feel that way. I guess. I mean, at some point, if you're that committed, though, and if it's that important to you that Sanders become president – at some level, you got to overcome that. It, yeah. it really, if if we're all going to die from lack of health care or from, you know, climate change, and it's really important that this one person become president, then you could check a box. Yep. <laughs> so, and, I don't know. That's, that's my cranky old man. There's another complaint to that where, you know, if somebody has partisan intent who's, like, delivering ballots, they might just toss oh, out, yeah. you know, a bunch of ones that, say, are checked for one party or the other. And, you know, that's fair. I, I really think just for the sake of it, these things should be moved to, you know, the ballot itself on the inside of the envelope. But I don't sure. see an actual problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I, I guess that about wraps it up. Uh yeah. Hopefully society does not collapse in the next week and we'll be back. But uh, we've taken some preparations in case it, it does. Move your 401k to canned food and shotguns. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, honest to God, like, if you have to have a gun for self-defense, I've been in gun violence prevention for a very long time. I would 100% you buy a shotgun. Go, yep. go buy a shotgun. Do go, don't buy a handgun that you know some kid can find and play with. A shotgun is big. It's cheap. You only have to point it in the general direction of what you're shooting at, and buckshot uh, will not penetrate through walls and kill people next to another. So, this know, is the pro shotgun podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you have, it's you, good for crowd control. You know, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you should get a gun, but if you have to get a gun, get a shotgun. Don't don't get a handgun. Don't get an AR-15. Don't get anything that's going to shoot through the next three apartments in your building when you pull the trigger. Just, just get a shotgun. You can blast away the face of whoever's breaking down your front door, and nobody else has to worry. <laughs> there you go. All right. Happy shopping. Yeah. yeah. You can pick one up for like 90 bucks. I'm not even kidding. Nice. Do that. Don't spend 300 bucks on AR-15. You don't are they on it. Amazon or? <laughs> uh, no, Amazon won't deliver guns, but uh, there are there are websites where you can order them and they'll ship to an FFL near you. Yeah, you you can get you know a not terrible shotgun for less than a hundred dollars. Don't go buy some shitty fucking pistol that you know your kid's gonna play around with and shoot the neighbors. You know, don't don't get some some rifle that you're gonna you know kill your next door neighbor just because it blasts through the wall because it's you know got way more penetration power than anything you know outside of a battlefield mm -hmm. yeah all right yeah also though you don't need a gun preferably don't buy a gun no <laughs> <laughs> like let me let me just put that out there I'm, I'm mitigating damage you can do but really the best thing would be don't buy a gun buy food buy canned goods uh, stock up on some medicine, make sure you have enough ibuprofen to put, you know, everybody in your house through a week or two worth of, you know, six pills a day, two pills every six hours. Yep. 